Immediately following the service, you're invited to uh, remain for uh, a luncheon that will be held in the community room directly behind us here. Uh, We invite you to stay and uh, have an opportunity to share together and uh, to uh, share more remembrances of Margaret and just to share our lives. We have a couple of, of moments in the service this morning in which you have opportunity to share uh, some brief words of remembrance about Margaret, about her life, about uh, stories you, a story you'd like to tell or something significant to, uh, to your life. I encourage you to be thinking about that and we will spend a, f- a few moments to give you an opportunity to share. And uh, as you do that, if you can, we're going to ask you to come and, and uh, stand here speaking to the microphone so we are all able to hear. But uh, this is one of those times where we, ha- we have the opportunity to to share with one another how God has used a person in our lives. And we have the opportunity to do that this morning. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of hell and death. Because I live, you also may live. We have gathered here today to praise God and to witness our faith as we celebrate the life of Margaret Wynn. We come together in grief, acknowledging our human loss. During this time, may God search each of our hearts that in pain we may find comfort, in sorrow, hope, in death, resurrection. O God of life, as we have learned to do in all of our experiences, we come to you now in the hour of death. We know that you love us. And that you can turn even the shadow of death into the light of morning. Help us now to wait before you with reverent and submissive hearts. Make this a time of opening our eyes and our understanding. And a time of encouragement to our hearts and our souls. Bless those who feel this sorrow most deeply and cause the bonds of Christian love to bind us closer together so that we may share with one another the spiritual strength and faith in God which is ours through the love of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand as we sing together the opening hymn, number 86.
I'm reading Psalm 103 from the English Standard Version, one of Margaret's favorite psalms. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, and satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. But as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I know that you are here today because in some way or another, Margaret has touched your life. And so we want to give you an opportunity to share briefly a story or a remembrance. And if you, if you can, you can come to the front and speak here into the microphone. It just helps everyone to be able to hear. If that's really difficult for you, then just stand where you are. But I want to offer the opportunity for a few of you to share here your remembrances of Margaret.
I've been here at the church 16 years in your office. And the first week I was here, Margaret came into the office and she said, you know you made a mistake. <laughs> and I said, well, Miss Wynn, I'm here to learn. And Margaret's been teaching me ever since. <laughs> um, Mother Teresa paraphrased, had a saying that um, love is shown in faithfulness in the small things. And that's a lesson that Margaret taught me. Whenever I had a bulletin, even if I didn't have a bulletin, she'd call to say, are you sure you don't have any inserts this week? And, um, you know, she was faithful in so many areas of this community. Um, if you needed a faithful person, um, Margaret was there in the midst of it, whether it was with toddlers or um, sending out uh, the nursery roll, filling bulletins, helping in offices all over. Um, Margaret was faithful, and I think she's still teaching all of us that lesson. If I asked how many of you have either had your children or you yourselves have been in a, a class that Margaret taught in Sunday school, I'm sure hands would be raised all over the place. And I'm so thankful that my children were able to be um, given a wonderful foundation through that two-year-old Sunday school class that Margaret taught. She was their first Sunday school teacher. And the last conversation that I had with Margaret when she was able to converse she asked me by name how Angie and Zach were doing, and she was so thrilled when she heard that our son is a full-time missionary, and you could just uh, see the joy on her face, and, and I thank the Lord that that foundation was set here in this church and through the wonderful example of Margaret, and our Wednesday morning Bible studies were just wonderful to have her there every week, and that word faithful is, is just the epitome of Margaret. So I'm just so thankful for the influences she has had in my life and the life of my family. Good morning. I felt today that it was not inappropriate to wear a color other than black because this lady has had a life that emanated the sense of worship and celebration. I never quite get over the single ladies who are so well-rounded, who relate to children and sports and young people and to the church. I told her once that I thought she was ubiquitous because everywhere I went, whether I, there was, there, Margaret popped up. 
And just, you know, the, some of you remember the old co-op. If I went to work my hours or if I went to be present to shop, there she was. If I went towards a school, there she was, or at the church. Some quiet but strong service was a part of her life. I am so thankful to have known this lady and whoever wrote her obituary. Good job. I'm sure I wouldn't be the only one here that would be able to say that Margaret played a special role in our families with our children. Um, She did a lot behind the scenes. Some of my players are here today. Some didn't even know her, but she helped with our team picnic every fall. Um, And as I'm getting emotional here, what I really want to tell is a funny story. Uh, But I think everyone can relate to that. Just how Patty said it, just everything she did that no one knew about, but the influence that she had. But when we moved here years ago, Bob Danner said to me, the best and the worst thing about living in Houghton is that everybody knows your business. He said, the bad thing about that is that everybody knows your business. The good part is, because everybody knows your business, this place sort of rallies around like no other place you've ever been or ever will be. And uh, this was, oh, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. We were gone for the weekend. We lived across the street from Margaret. And uh, we got back on a Saturday night. Sunday morning, we're up. We're getting ready for church. It's about, I don't know, 7 o'clock, maybe a little after 7, getting ready for the 820 service. And the, the phone rings. And I'm thinking, well, who's calling us on 7 a.m. Sunday morning? And it was Margaret. And she said, well, I noticed that Emma and Esther's light came on. And then I noticed the bathroom light came on. And it sure looks to me like you're getting ready for church. But I just want to remind you that church isn't until 10 on this Sunday. This was one of the weekends that, you know, the church time had changed. And I hung up the phone and I kind of chuckled a little bit. And I said to my wife, I said, that was just Margaret who called. And Margaret knew exactly what was going on in our house simply from the light patterns in our windows. And uh, it was humorous, but it was also evidence to us just how much she cared about what was going on. When we traveled and we were gone... She was awaiting the day that we'd come back. She wanted us to call when, she, when we got back in. And um, it just showed us that she was so in tune with what was going on around her, outside of herself. She was so focused on others, um, so concerned about how others were doing, how we were doing. And uh, I'll never forget that phone call that morning. Betsy asked me if I wanted to share, and I said, no, I'm not getting up. But I want to share something with you. I and my brother and I are probably the first of many, many preacher's kids that Margaret took care of. In fact, she was Margie to me. She 
was about the same age as my folks. My folks were very close to Margie, to Margie's sisters, Ruth and Francie. My mom was in Ruth's wedding, and uh, she was such a very special person to us. And she took my brother uh, when he was just a little kid on the train, and they came to Houghton to visit. And he still remembers that because he's into trains like you wouldn't believe. And um, she was just so special, and I'm glad that I got to be with her up at the nursing home this last week. It was very hard to watch her in pain. But I know she's in a much better place and that she's happy. And I'm just really thankful for her. I have another opportunity in a few moments to share. The service today is uh, music that Margaret loved, scripture that uh, Margaret uh, requested to be read, and it, it really exemplifies her life and the importance of her life. And at the center of that is the song that uh, Lori is going to play, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
Betsy asked if I would read the 34th Psalm, one of Margaret's favorites. Uh, but before I do that, I think I want to express to Betsy on behalf of, I call Aunt Margaret, that she was the daughter that she would have loved to have for all that she has done for Margaret. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. She's in heaven now, Margaret. He delivered her. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked, and the foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Amen. Um, I will be reading from John 14, 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. I, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so... I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we go there with you? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. For now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father, and that will be enough for us. 
Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father, living in me, who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Another opportunity for those of you who would like to share your memories.
Thank you so much for sharing and for helping all of us to uh, express our uh, gratitude for Margaret's life and for the way she influenced us. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. We are all known by how people identify with us. Some people know us by what we do. Some people know us because of um, the priorities of our lives. Sometimes we're known by the things we like or the things we don't like. Sometimes we're known by our hobbies and our interests. And, and Margaret was no different. Some of you have just shared this morning some of the ways in which Margaret was known to you. You told stories about your interactions with Margaret or your experiences with Margaret. And, and you've talked about interesting and, and humorous ways in which Margaret was known to you. And out of these memories that we have in our minds and the, some of the memories that we have shared... We build an image, we build a picture of, of who Margaret Wynn really was. And what is it we see? What, what have we heard? We heard about a woman of integrity and compassion and grace. We heard about a woman who loved children and was continually thinking of ways in which she could express love to children, teaching toddler Sunday school class, working with the cradle role, connecting families to the church when babies were born. I, I was always uh, interested in her, her perspective on the youth group. And uh, she was involved in the youth group as when she was a teenager and then helping with the youth group as she got a little bit older. And even though over time, of course, ministry to youth has changed dramatically from when she was young... One of the things that always impressed me was that she was just glad that the young people were at the church and supported the ministry, whatever that might be, to the youth in our church. We heard about a woman who had a servant's heart. She came every week to fold bulletins and once a month to put together, help put together the highlights. And, and when she did that, you saw her servant's heart. She went through the pews every week made sure all the Bibles and the hymnals were straight and to make sure the sermon pads were there and that all the pens were in place and were working. 
And it was a servant heart. She sat at the desk in the church office, answered the phone, made copies, whatever else was needed while Patty was on vacation. In fact, Patty's going to be on vacation next week. And this morning we were scratching our heads thinking, who's going to come and sit here at the desk? You know, we have other people that help as well. But one of the constants was Margaret. You saw a servant's heart. She loved music, loved to play the violin, loved to listen to music. She loved being involved in the sporting events of the college and the academy and the schools around here and went to a lot of those events. She was a very, a person, a woman of very diverse interests. She worked at a home for girls who were uh, court appointed, had some troubles, and she worked in this home when she was younger. She, she had a lot of different interests, had a lot of different ways that she connected to life, and we've heard some of those today. And obviously she wasn't perfect, because none of us are. But in her heart, deep down in the recesses of her being, there was this woman of compassion and grace and mercy and a servant. And she was a person who, was, who loved the church and was concerned about the church and wanted to, to see the church continue to move forward, always thinking more about the good of the whole instead of just what might be her own personal interests. A woman who was loving and thoughtful, a friend. Margaret's life journey brought her from Pennsylvania to Houghton, back to Pennsylvania and back to Houghton again. And these moves were times of joy and anticipation. They were also times that challenged her. A few years ago, she wrote a a brief sketch of her life, and I had the privilege of reading through that the last couple of days. And, And in this sketch, she wrote about some of the surprises, the ups and the downs, the turns and the u turns of her life and how there were often times when she didn't understand what God was doing or why he was doing it. And she wrote about shedding tears and asking questions and dealing with the emotions of pain and loss. I was particularly struck by a couple of, of things she wrote about. In one place she wrote, Father died in 1954. Mother stayed at our home in Sunbury for six years. By then, both sisters were married on their own, and I was now living in a furnished apartment. And mother decided to come live with me and to sell 318 Race Street. I don't think I'll ever forget that last time we pulled away from the family home, knowing that it was no longer to be home. And I remember saying to the Lord, now you are all I have. And that was in June of 1960. And early in 1961, her mother had her first stroke, and she recovered enough that she was able to use a walker and get around, but in May of 1963, she had her second stroke, and that necessitated having some care for her while Margaret worked. And Margaret said it, always meant, it also meant that I had to give up many activities at the church that she loved. And she said, I asked the Lord why. And during these 10 years, there were many tears and much frustration and questioning But now I can see the Lord's hand in it all. It was during this time that the Lord moved my brother, upon whom I depended greatly, to Virginia. And Pastor Kennedy moved to California. And again, all the props were taken from me. And then she wrote, and I learned to lean on the Lord 
even more fully. And after telling about her move back to Houghton, she wrote these words. The verse I began with is what I'm staking my life on. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And she wrote, he knows what is ahead for me, and I want to trust him to the end. I want to praise him for guiding me and keeping me, for forgiving me, for his loving presence and provision. And my sincere desire is to serve him faithfully in whatever he gives me to do. And that really is the hinge point of Margaret's life. That's her life in a nutshell. That's everything we've been talking about in a nutshell, trusting God. Believing that despite the uncertain moments of life, even the disappointing moments of life, God is good and trustworthy and his plans are always best. When she talks about God giving her a future, I know she was talking about her future on earth and all the things that God led her to do. And I think she would say she lived a full life and God blessed her immensely. And we know now today she's enjoying the future. Because God is trustworthy and good and faithful. And that was her life. Counting on that promise. It was this faith in God that guided her life. This faith in God that made her who she was. And ultimately, her faith in God was rooted in her ability to trust that God's nature at its core is love. It's what the psalmist says in the hundredth psalm that Sharon just read. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, praise his name. Why? Because the Lord is good and his love endures forever. And she trusted God because she knew God was trustworthy, that God is good and that she was loved without any reservation by God. We've all heard her at various moments express her connection to God and the ways in which God was at work in her life and and the moments when she trusted God and sensed God at work in her. And we had the privilege of experiencing one of those moments just a few years ago. In summer of 2011, Cindy preached a sermon here on Genesis 32, tells the story of Jacob wrestling with God. The sermon focused on the end of that wrestling match and God's question of Jacob, what is your name? In fact, that question was the title of the sermon. And Cindy expounded the the deeper meaning of God's question and how our name is more than just the words that are written on our birth certificate, but it's our identity. It's our value. It's our worth. And in the end, God changes this young man's name from Jacob, that means deceiver, to Israel, which means God prevails and God rules. And she talked about how God's desire for Jacob was to move past who he was in order to experience who he was to become in God's love and grace. And how much God desires that for all of us too. It was at this point in the sermon that we went to 1 John 3, 1, 
that declares how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. We are God's beloved children. That's our true name, our deepest identity, our divine calling. And because of our struggles with sin and insecurity and self-esteem, we often find it hard to believe that we are God's beloved children, but it's true. We are all loved and accepted by God, our creator. And it's not because we are good, it's because God is. It's not because we're loving, it's because God is loving. And Cindy ended the sermon with these words, whatever name you may feel branded by, by yourself, by your choices, by others, by circumstances, God has a different name for you. A name that's rooted in his relationship with you and his love and his grace for you. Can you hear God's gracious, loving voice asking you, what is your name? Can you hear his gentle whisper in your ear, you are my beloved child. When the service was over that morning, Cindy was standing at the back greeting people as we always do when service is done. And Margaret stepped up to her And she looked at Cindy and with a gleam in her eye and this broad smile on her face and she said to her, my name is Margaret and I'm a child of God. That's why we're here today. That's what her life is all about. She spent her life following God, trusting God, Because she was convinced she's a beloved child of God. And life wasn't always easy. It wasn't always what she might have designed if she were planning it herself. But I'm convinced that if Margaret could tell us one thing, leave us with one thought, it would be this, God is faithful. God is good. And you can trust him. And nothing is more wonderful than living in the joy of knowing that you are a beloved child of God. And he is calling all of us to claim our inheritance. This day and every day. Amen.
bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.